Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDb credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actor Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but not only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students. And I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. I am super excited to introduce my guest. He's perhaps best known for his starring roles in some of television's most cherished and long-running series, including Taxi, which ran from 1978 to 1983, and Who's the Boss, that ran from 1984 to 1992. He's one of America's most iconic and beloved performers for over 40 years. He even has his own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I want to welcome my friend and fellow Brooklynite, Tony Danza. Welcome to the podcast, brother. What's happening, Billy? Good to see you, my friend. It's good to see you, my friend. You look great. And thanks for that wonderful introduction. You know, it's all true, brother. It's all true. You know, I'm, I'm, I know I've been, I've been pestering you to get you on the podcast, and I know you're a busy man. You got your show going on, and you're traveling. But I really appreciate you taking out the time, you know, to spend some time with me on the podcast. I'm really now that I'm here, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> so, you know, I created the podcast to inspire young artists to follow their dreams, right? If a kid like me can come out from Brooklyn at 18 with $200 in his pocket and a dream and make the dream a reality, then why can't that listener out there? You know, if a kid like you can, you know, from Brooklyn to become and do all the amazing things you've done, you know, you've been on Broadway, you've been on television for more years than anybody I know. You've been, I mean, you, you, you've had an amazing, this amazing career. And, you know, I just want to know, how did it get started? When did you know? How did you get started in the business? Uh, you know, it's, it's funny the way you started. You know, I'm a garbage man, son from Brooklyn. You know, yeah. I, uh, and I, I have to say, um, one of the real regrets I have is that I didn't apply myself as a young. So that, you know, this podcast for young artists is so, uh, means so much to me because I, I wonder, I can't help but wonder, what I might have done had I really paid attention and really, you know, I, I do this in my act. I hadn't figured out that in order to be interesting, you have to be interested. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just figured out last week, I feel a lot better. But, uh, <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, young people have a chance to really apply themselves and then have it come to fruition years later after they get out there and, 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 and make an attempt to do whatever they, they want to do with what they've trained. And, and I don't have that. And so I, I've really been mostly instinctual. I mean, luckily I did go, I did finish college. I think uh, that having that education is the difference. I, I think I would have folded when I got the break that I got, because as you know, I was a fighter. I was, I got out of college. I, uh, I'd gone to school to uh, to be a teacher, and I didn't uh, feel I was old enough to teach anybody anything. I didn't know enough to teach anybody anything. I really got into one of those heads, and uh, so I didn't I didn't teach, and I was you know sh taking jobs, and I was bartending, and I was shaping up for North at North American Van Line. I mean, all these things you do, and. Uh, a couple of my friends entered me in the Golden Gloves as a joke because I was always in street fights. And the next thing I know, I was in the Golden Gloves. And uh, and I knocked out the first six guys I fought. Wow. <laughs> no, I, the guy in the Daily News, Jack Smith, the great Jack Smith, the uh, columnist, he would write what happened in the gloves. And when I fought, he said, he said the battling bartender, he served mittens instead of Manhattans. So it was like... <laughs> I got this thing and I got hooked on it. I got hooked on boxing. I didn't win the gloves, unfortunately. I was a semifinalist, but but anyway, uh, I uh, but I got hooked on boxing. And I was in the gym training at Gleason's on 30th and 8th Avenue, and a guy named Stuart Sheslow, who was, you know, uh, researching a pilot that he wanted to make about a young fighter 
who works out in a, an old fighter's gym and they have a relationship. And he saw me in the gym, asked me if I ever thought about being on TV. And I, I thought he was up to something. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, I, he invited me to you know, come to his office. It was a little shitty little office and excuse my language. And uh, I read, I think he was a little surprised I could read. And then um, one thing led to another. And somehow I ended up in Jim Brooks of uh, of terms of endearment and taxi and Mary Tyler Moore fame. And he was doing, uh, you know, he was casting this new show. He was looking for an Irish heavyweight boxer type. And uh, they made it an Italian middleweight. I ended up in his office and somehow I get the part. So that's, you know, but my, my point is, is that, I mean, I think I have two big regrets when I think about my life. Oh, I got a million, you know, we all have a <laughs> But I'm saying like conceptual regret, regrets. Like one is, is that I really wish I had applied myself as a youngster, as a young, as a young person. I just, you know, you can have fun too. It's a, I, I didn't understand it was, you know, wasn't mutually exclusive. You couldn't have fun and, and still be a good student, you know? So that was number one. And now what's interesting is, as you get older, all you want to do is be a student. And that's the really interesting thing. You know, I'm working on the piano. I've been trying to take piano lessons for a year and a half now. I'm like practicing three, four hours a day. I get up early, early in the morning and practice. And I realize I never worked this hard on anything. You know, like when I was the, when I was young. I mean, since since being on TV and and acting and being in in shows, it just takes a lot of work and a lot of preparation. And I love it, but I didn't understand that as a, as a young person. And then the other thing. And this one's big. And I, I, I tell kids this all the time is that I, and to all older people too, I mean, your age, Billy, is that I never factored into any of my decisions the, the idea, the fact that I would someday be 72 years old. You know, it's just like, oh, this will go on forever. You know, you just don't even, would you, that decision that you made, would you have made the same decision if you thought to yourself that, geez, you know, someday I'm going to be old. It just changes things. It just puts it into perspective. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate, you know, you know, you, this, um, this is very dear, near and dear to my heart, this uh, youth thing, because I, I, I'm, I'm of a mind that we're, we're kidding ourselves. And we think all the kids today are just going to grow up well-adjusted <laughs> after yeah. all they've seen and what they've been through. You know, in my act, they do a thing about, uh, think about it. We grew up on nothing but love songs. Nothing. You had to have love, love, find love, lost love. That's all it's been about for 100 years, right? And look how we turned out. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I just want people to, to consider this. So we started a thing here. It's almost 10 years now. We started volunteering at a place called the All-Stars. They, they had a program called Youth Development Through Performance. Basically, it's teaching a kid how to act. Hmm. And we took it further, took it to the police athletic league. We've been there for almost eight years of police athletic league. We've interacted with maybe 5,000 kids. We we have over 200 in college uh, in purchase. Uh, I mean, you can't believe the colleges that we've, we've, we've developed relationships with because they're, all these colleges are looking to diversify their, uh, their student bodies. You know what I mean? And, and we got the kids for them. We really do. And what's interesting about the program, it's just, a, it's an acting program. Because when you teach a kid how to act, you teach a kid how to act. Weird how it affects them. Like my partner's this guy, Brian Hills. He's the kid whisperer, Billy. You can't believe this. The most rough, tough, uh, angry, uh, defensive kid comes <laughs> to the program because it's free. So they come, right? We solicit at the high school. And the high schools have no money for, for arts, so they, they throw us the kids. So we got a million kids. Okay. The roughest kid comes to the thing. He doesn't want to do anything. He just wants to see what's happening, you know. Three days after he meets Brian, I have to support my ensemble. <laughs> I'm not and it, it's thrilling to see this happen, you know what I mean? So uh, it's called the Stars of Tomorrow program pro project, the Stars of Tomorrow project. We just got our 501c3. And uh, I have to tell you, Danny DeVito and Jim Brooks funded me for a year. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. They were really great guys. They want to do something. You know, we did a virtual, we did a virtual, uh, the program was at PAL during a pandemic, and we couldn't do our, our normal uh, fundraiser where we do a show, you know? 
Uh, we like to do a, we like to do an old world variety show. So there's a, a host and a lot of different acts. It's really fun. But this year we couldn't do it. Last year we couldn't do it. Uh, so we did a virtual talent show. I got five cops from the NYPD to go against five of my kids. And it was the cops versus kids talent show. And uh, the cast of Taxi were the, were the, uh, were the judges. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And they, you know, so the, the cast is really behind me. You know, those guys are really behind me, especially Danny and Jim, of course. But everybody's really behind me. And they, they've seen what, you know, what this thing does. You know, I mean, they're kids doing Shakespeare and knocking them off their socks. I mean, knocking their socks off. It's unbelievable. So it's really, really exciting. Uh, but I think it's important that we, uh, you know, there to be a time in this country where we, all of us, private and public, governmental and corporate, all took an interest in nurturing our children. You know, there used to be a family hour on TV. When I got on TV, there was a standards and practices. come. They would come down and tell you, no, you can't say that, you know. And, and sometimes it was ridiculous. But, you know, in retrospect, you start to think, wow, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't such a bad idea. And now we've just turned them into customers like everybody else. Mm. And we can just... It's weird. And I, I'm just, I think it's really silly and really kind of preposterous that we think that given child childhoods that are so different from what we grew up in. I, I grew up in East New York and Brooklyn, which is, they're making a TV show about it because it's so tough. That's how bad it is. But it was a tough neighborhood there, but you didn't get killed. You, you know, you might've gotten a fight every day, but you didn't get killed. I mean, it was, you know, it was a different kind of world then, you know, and we have to realize that we have to, and you know, the funny thing, another thing is, is that we think one of the things you learn when you work with kids and I promise I'm going to shut up soon, Billy, I promise. Please don't. <laughs> one of the things you learn when you work with kids is that it's so clear that, you know, when you don't know, you don't know. Mm. In other words, it don't matter if me and you and everybody else knows it. The kid doesn't know it. And we don't teach a lot of stuff that we think they know, that we think you should know. We don't teach civics anymore. We, I took a bunch of kids shopping. I took a bunch of kids shopping the other day because they don't know how to shop for food. And then we made, and then we had a cooking class, a Zoom cooking class. I made the... I made some breaded chicken cutlets. We made a salad you can make every day with oil and vinegar and uh, and broccolini and potatoes. You know, so nice. You know, something. <laughs> and they all got into it, and everybody. But they they don't know how to do it. Yeah, they don't know. So you gotta you gotta really understand that, and uh, and that's that's. Uh, I think that's you know this this podcast is uh, is a welcome addition to that effort. You know, I, I really found for me, Tony, the secret to living is being of service. Giving, leaving something behind. You know, I only wish that there was somebody like me when I was a kid that could have said, hey, come here. Let me show you. This is the route. This is what you want to well, do. Well, they were there, Billy. You just didn't run into them. Yeah, yeah I, I, didn't, I didn't run yeah. into them. <laughs> yeah, you didn't run into them. But they were there. They been there. There's the people that are there. No, I, look, you know, it's so funny. People always say, ah, oh, it's so nice what you do. Isn't that great what you do? No, it's nice for me. Yeah. Makes me feel good. I swear when I go, we had a we did a thing last year. I decided I wanted to do a tap dance ensemble because we have uh, the cops and kids chorus. I put together a bunch of cops with some kids put and it made a chorus. They sang at the the tree lighting. They sang, you know, you heard of the uh, the Harlem Boys Choir? Mm -hmm. Cops and kids chorus, same cadence. So I I, uh, they sang there, they sang, uh, they sang at City Field for 9-11, they sang it, uh, they were on Rachel Ray. I mean, it's a, it's a going concern, and we're going to keep that with our program with the Stars of Tomorrow. The NYPD is going to, is going to continue to uh, work with us on that, so we're really excited about that. But I, sometimes I go to rehearsals, so oh, I know, I was telling you, so we, so I wanted to have a tap dance uh, ensemble. We had a thing, we had a gala coming up for PAL, and I thought this would be a great thing to, sh to showcase the kids. So I, I bought eight pairs of shoes, and I got these eight kids, and myself, and Brian, and we taught, we, and I choreographed to uh, New York, New York, and one of the kids plays the piano. And then the kids said, well, could we sing while we dance? And I was like, really, you want to do that? And, 
you got to see that you harmonized and everything. And it's unbelievable. And so we got to work. Well, I would go to rehearsal two times a week, right? And and the problem with PAL is because we have older kids, you can't get into the PAL centers until 6.30 at night because they can't mix young kids with old kids when you have uh, older kids when you have uh, government contracts. Fine, I get it. But anyway... Uh, doesn't help me because what do I do with the kids from the time they get out of school till 6.30 and then they go home so late. I don't like that either. But anyway, we did it for a while just because we had to do it. And it was like 6 to 8.30, the uh, the rehearsals. Well, there's a bar on the way home from, from it's, it's, it's on 52nd Street. And, I, and you walk down 52nd Street to 10th Avenue and uh, I mean to 9th Avenue and uh, there's a bar on the way. If I stop at that bar, I'm in such a good mood. I don't get out of there for like two days from, from rehearsal. I mean, it. I come out of there. I can't stop at a bar. It's uh, It has an effect on you. It really does. And the kids are really, 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 really endearing. They make you, they make you, first of all, you know, this is going to be the kids that are going to run this place. They, mm. they're going to be the ones you, we, we, we got to help them. We got to give them a, a hand up. We really do. I love that. I love it. You know what I love about you? You're always, you know, from, from um, when I first met you, I mean, uh, do you remember our first meeting at all? I'm one, I'm curious. I think, wait, no, you were, we were rehearsing. It was, am I right? Am I? Cause I got, this is what I think. We were rehearsing and they brought, you came in. And they told me this is who's going to play the part, right? Is that what it was? Yeah. So, so what happened? Of I, I don't remember. Yeah. It. So, so it was. Yeah. You know, I was I was reading for a role for Al on Who's the Boss, and it was a, you know the breakdown was a Brooklyn street kid, <laughs> and uh, it was a stretch. You know, but we I, told I was like I was like when I read the I was like, that's my role. But you know, first off, I wanted I was hungry. I wanted that role. You know why I wanted that role? Because I grew up watching you on TV. I watched Taxi faithfully. I watched that show. I loved that show. I watched it all the time. From 1978 to 1983, I watched that show. And really, I saw... Really, excuse me. My, I, I, was, uh, I was fooling around. I was, I was with somebody who liked Taxi. Say They put it on. I watched 19 episodes. I couldn't stop. Yeah, it's one of the best shows ever. I forget about it. I mean, you know, Louis, Louis De Palma was my favorite growing up watching. Yeah, you know, you know. But, you know, I, I would watch that show and, and then, you know, came Who's the Boss? Yeah. And I watched you on Who's the Boss? And I was like, look at this guy. He's got a Brooklyn accent. He's on TV. You know, like, hey, <laughs> it's possible. I, it's possible, right? So so now, you know, I, I'm in Hollywood. And then I get this audition for, you know, Who's the Boss? And I go, uh, that's, that's my freaking role. I'm going in. So I went in. And I remember I auditioned. And uh, and then I, I they, they brought you in. They brought you off the stage or whatever to come up into my reading, my audition. And I, knew, I, remember, I remember something. I knew that. I, you came in and I was at the audition and I didn't know you were coming in. There you were. And we, we kind of like hit it off right away immediately. It was like, you know, two fellow Brooklynites. Yeah. And, and then uh, I got cast and then I came down to stage and I met everybody and I was like, you know, it was like a dream come true. I mean, That's for me. I remember, I remember you know, coming down to the stage. Yeah. It was and truly. Were, by the way, you were great. You were great at it. You, well, you, you know. Like, it was. I, I want people to understand who didn't see the show. He was a threat because he, Alyssa liked it. I mean, the Sam liked it. My daughter liked this motorcycle. This. What are you kidding me? What are you doing? Yeah, the hood. The hood with a hairbrush. The hood with the hairbrush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. So you know. But but it was such such an amazing you know I grew up watching you know um, soap with with Catherine Hellman and coming onto the show and what an amazing cast it was and it was just, for me it was like like school like comedy school. Billy, <laughs> tell them what it was like though. It was, it was magical, magical, magical. It, I, you know, in my career, in all my years, I've never worked on a show. That was as, as amazing as that show. I mean, it was a big family. We had fun. We laughed. We played. We, you know, it was it was an easy show. I mean, you had that thing running like such a smooth ship, man. Oh, you, was, you go, yeah. So we all, had, you know, first of all, Catherine Hellman, you know. Comic genius. Can't talk about it without. God rest her soul. 
Yeah, not only a comic genius, but just like an angel. You know what she reminds me of? This is a weird reference. I used to watch Star Trek a lot. And in Star Trek, there was an episode where everybody was hurt and they were hanging. They all had wounds. And these women came and they touched them. And the wounds migrated from the from the men into the women. And then the women got sick and then they healed too. And I felt that's how I felt about Catherine. She was such a... So such a soulmate, such a, such a, and, and, you know, I went through a really important time in my life there. You know, I got married. I went from being a wild man in Hollywood to getting married, to go to having kids. And I had Catherine. I mean, she was a big part of why, you know, I succeeded, but I mean, I just, you know, when I think about it, I've run into people every once in a while who say things like that, who say what, what a time we had. And, you know, it was great. But all I remember is how, it was like a, a cocoon and we were all together and, and it just, it just, it just was I, I, when I'm grateful, that's one of the things I'm most grateful for. Yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful to that. I got a chance to be part of it. And, you know, most people don't know this though. You know, I came on and I guest starred on the show, but then, you know, I'm a struggling actor and I'm like, you know, how the frick am I going to pay the bill kind of thing, you know, and, and you gave me a job as your stand-in so not only was i on the show but i got to be a part of it every day for three years when you weren't around i was blocking i was standing next to judith light and Catherine. <laughs> every every episode i was there and she's great to stand next to oh my gosh it was such an amazing i you mean know, it, billy let me tell you something you know people talk about you know, sitcoms and, and and you the key to getting it to work is this is the woman is the second banana mm -hmm. your partner you know i did a bunch of them <laughs> i didn't have judith the one that i had judith to work and yeah, so you know i always think about that that you know and she's she's so magnificent I she mean, is and and she's such an amazing actor you know oh you know i used to say remember what i used to say about it she's so good she could cry out of one eye at a time and wink at you with the other i mean she was unbelievable you know she's she sobbed incessantly on One Life to Live. You know, yeah. she, she played this this hooker, this housewife hooker, and she was a cord. She was crying all the time. And so, man, could she cry. Holy mackerel. That's amazing. What's your fondest memory from those days? From Who's the Boss? Let me think. That's a, you know, nobody's ever asked me my fondest memory. I have so many fond memories. I mean, I, I can't help but think about, you know, the fact that... Uh, I got married and had a baby and Katie was born. You know, I think that's really the big, the big thing. But as far as <laughs> I have one that that's kind of, kind of stupid. So I, uh, I did the first year of who's the boss, but we were on at eight 30. It's uh, it's uh, Alexis is talking, but the first year of who's the boss, we were on at eight 30 after John read his new show. He had, he had a new show after Three's Company, and he was on at 8 o'clock. We were on at 8.30, and we were getting killed. John Ritter was getting killed, and we were up against the A-team. And the A-team was, you know, it beat the it beat the American Music Awards. I mean, this was, they were a juggernaut. I was down at the uh, the uh, Long Beach Grand Prix. I was driving in the Long Beach Grand Prix Celebrity. You know, you get to drive the cars. It was amazing. But I was down there in entertainment tonight, and what happened was it was right before the season started, and and, and ABC had decided to switch to switch it because I had been campaigning for an eight o'clock time slot. I said, "Let me start the night off. You know, you're killing me, leaving me. You know, I got to pick up the slack, and I can't do it." Because anyway, so they put us on at eight o'clock, and so entertainment tonight was there, and the guy says to me, "Hey, Tony, uh, you're up against the the A team. What do you uh, what do you think?" He says, it looks bad, huh? I said, no, I tell you. Actually, I think you better tell Mr. T. He's got to hawk some of that gold. You know, <laughs> just like a wise guy. Remember a wise guy? <laughs> and, of course, we we crushed. We, you know, we went. It was amazing. We, uh, it was it was a huge hit, and that's when we became a hit That after that. So that's but, uh, I, I remember a lot of the, you know what I remember? Uh, for the 100th episode, I brought a lot of my family out. Uh, my mom was there, my my Aunt Frances, my, uh, not my my mom, what my mom? I mean, my Aunt Frances was there, my uh, my Uncle Phil, and uh, and some other people who my friends and and who, who really meant a lot to me. And I came, you know, to make 100 episodes in anything is just, I think. It's amazing. I mean, it was, you broke syndication records on that, on the Who's It Boss. <laughs> well, 
Do you want to know what one of my fondest memories is from Who's the Boss? Tell me. We used to have uh, a little routine. Remember, we we do the reading and then we go play golf at Witsit. Yeah, we had a little routine. We, you know, every week we play golf, and I get crushed. We'd play golf, and we play for money, and I'd lose all the time. I'm every, and we all pretty much stunk. Yeah, I was I was losing money every week, so I was like, I'm not taking this anymore. So I got me some videos. I got me my little putting green in the house. (laughs) I was practicing, 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 and we go to play golf, and who's there is Sylvester Stallone. And he joins us to play golf. So we're, on, I remember I'm on the putting green and this is when I'm, I, I'm playing pretty good that day. You know, I'm making some putts, I'm making some chips and I'm on the putting green and I look to my left and there is Tony Banta that I grew up watching. And to my right is Rocky. <laughs> and I make the putt and I'm like, I'm getting in higher and I'm like, this is fucking weird, <laughs> you know, because I grew up watching you guys and here I am playing golf. with I, I had a very similar <laughs> experience with Sly. So uh, when I first got to Hollywood, one night I go to the, uh, uh, the club. I went to Carlos and Charlie's, El Perverto, I mean, Provado. And uh, I ran into Frank Stallone. I'd never met anybody. anybody. So he, we started talking and, uh, you know, he says to me, uh, you know, I hear you're a fighter. And I said, yeah, I see. You know, he says, well, you know, he says, we're doing Rocky Three. We're at uh, uh, Washington Studios. So the one on Washington Avenue, I don't know what it's called. The one where who's where uh, Gone with the Wind was done. It's got still got the building. Uh, oh, Overland or? John Culver's, Culver Studio. Culver Studios. So, uh, so uh, he says, why don't you come over? We got a gym. We got, you know, we're boxing. We're having a good time. I said, right, if I get a chance, I will. So one day I I uh, I go and uh, I get there and and uh, I walk in and he's in the ring boxing and he sees me and he says hey don't worry man he says you buy you box my brother <laughs> so he's like I hope he's got another brother <laughs> <laughs> so change <laughs> and by the way it's a soundstage that they've converted to a gym uh-huh. they got the gym and the, they get the ring in the middle. They have the the statues of Rocky and and uh, Apollo Creed, you know. Yeah. And so uh, I come out. This guy comes over and he says, "I'll help you out." And this is before Velcro, you know. They had to tie your gloves on and everything else. And the guy ties my gloves on, puts my headgear on, sticks my. I'm standing in the ring in the corner, looking out away from the corner, away from the ring, and puts my mouthpiece in. I turn around, and there's Rocky. that's the craziest thing ever i mean there was rocky i mean this is you know because i believe me i i was as uh as astounded as as you were you know so it was amazing but i i know exactly what you're saying anyway we we did box which is another story that's awesome you know, I remember coming to visit you when you were doing um, the the remake of Twelve Angry Men, and that was that was a cool set. I walked onto that set, and you introduced me to George C. Scott, Jack Lemley. Uh, I remember Gandolfini. I met John, uh, Gandolfini for the first time. He was on that. I mean, you had an, what, the rest oh, of the I, cast. Ozzie Davis, Ozzie Davis. I mean, it was it was star studded. <laughs> oh, it was incredible. Edward Olmos, Bill Peterson, uh, as you said, Jack Lemon. Uh, oh, the greatest. Hume Crone. Hume yeah. Oh, my God. Armin Mueller style. I mean, it was. It was amazing cast. It was unbelievable. What was that other guy's name? Courtney Vance. And uh, the other guy, the other guy, the other guy, the other guy. You see, you're pushing me on names here. I'm sorry, Bill. I had an amazing, amazing cast. You know what I what I don't know. Most people maybe don't know about you. I mean, everybody knows you from Who's the Boss and Taxi, but they don't know that you have an amazing career on Broadway. I mean, you've been in you know the producers, the the what was the Vegas uh, honeymoon to Vegas. I mean, what are some of your? You, I remember seeing you with George C. Scott at uh, Wrong Turn to Lungfish, Long right? Turn Lungfish, yes. Yeah, I mean that, that was awesome to see you and George C. Scott on stage. Yeah, I was in uh, I was in uh, a view a view from the bridge, and I actually got to work with Arthur Miller. Wow, uh, I actually have a framed letter from him. I 
I sent him a note saying, hey, Arthur, uh, I'm going to finish pretty soon. Why don't you come down and see it once more? See if you've, uh, if I've, you know, done anything better. And he wrote back and said that he wasn't feeling well and his droopy weather wasn't doing him any good. Droopy. Uh, (laughs) But he said, but rarely have I felt in better hands. So I framed that, you know. And I did, uh, I did a view from the bridge. I did the Iceman Comet. I mean, with uh, with Kevin O'Neill. He did that big production. No, so I've been on Broadway. It's uh, as you mentioned, the producers was unbelievable to do the producers. I played Max Bialystok. I'm the as uh, uh, I was at a 20th anniversary of uh, of the producers recently, and uh, Nathan Lane, who I'm I'm glad is feeling better. You know, he was he was quite ill, but he's feeling mm-hmm. better. He's going to be back on Broadway. But anyway, uh, he said <laughs> he was up there, and he said Tony Danzer is here, the thinnest Max. Why <laughs> Max? <laughs> but yeah, but. Uh, let me tell you, Bill, I, I took a bunch of kids the other night to a piano lesson and uh, on Broadway. And uh, we were standing out in front before we went. And I said, do you realize where you are? I said, here you are. You're like, this is it. This is the great white way. Look at this. Look at you. You know, uh, we're going in to see an August Wilson play at the Barrymore Theater. I mean, this is where you want to be. And and this kind of job, what it does to you, it not only makes you who you who you who you want to be, but it it it, it makes you do things that you didn't think you could do, mm-hmm. because it takes over your life. Eight shows a week. You got to be disciplined. You got to take care of your voice. You got to think about everything you do. Because tomorrow night you let them guys down, and it's the greatest team effort ever. If you think you you think being on a baseball team or a football team or something, try doing a musical. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the greatest. Okay, so I tell them all this. Now we go in, we see the play. The play's fabulous. Uh, Sam Jackson's wife, Latanya, she is an incredible director. She really is. The work is incredible. We go in, and then there was a talk back afterwards. So we I brought the kids in, and. Uh, and there were two young actresses, two young actors in the uh, play. Uh, Dan- I can't remember their names. I'm sorry. But they're 12 or 13 years old. And they alternate uh, two nights on, two nights off, you know, so they don't kill each, you know, kill themselves. And so I raised my hand right away and I said, listen, I have some aspiring actors here. And uh, I, I, I've been talking to them about how great it is to be on Broadway. Please tell them what it feels like to be in such an incredible production like this and tell them what it takes. And they went on and on, these kids, about it. And I watched our kids watch them. And it was so thrilling. It's so thrilling, you know. And that's what Broadway is. Broadway is one of the great, not only one of the great performance spaces and and and, 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 and for, for personal uh, achievement, one of the great, you know, places to try your best, but it's also the greatest teaching tool. It really is. It's uh, it's uh, it's it teaches by example, not only in what's in the show, but how the show's done and the work that that goes into it and what it takes to put on a show like that. So it was it was really thrilling, really. Uh, you know, uh, I got to get back there, Bill. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. I want to get back to bed. I'm jealous because <laughs> because, you know. I miss New York. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you know, you're you know back. What John, you know what John Updike said? What? John Updike said people who don't live in New York are just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> How are you like living in New York? Ah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's the kind of place where you really do feel like you could turn a corner and your life could change. Hmm. I don't know why. It just is. Um, it's just something about it. I can't even. What's well, I mean, in the I love, blood? <laughs> I love walking. I love walking. I love the subway. Uh, I don't. I don't like driving anymore. So I don't like to drive. You, you take the subway? Oh, I'm always on the subway. Really? I, I, are you kidding? I got my reduced fare. Senior citizens <laughs> metro card. You know. You know. The, the people know. Thirty-five a ride, and you get anywhere in the city. Yeah, no, I mean, I listen. The subway's amazing. I love the oh, subway, yeah, but man, you know, I take, I take the bus too. I like the bus. I like to be above ground too. Really, I like the bus. Yeah, and I take a lot of cabs. You know, I'm, but I'm a walker too. I like. Uh, that, that's the thing about the city, you know. Yeah, it's lonely at times, even though it's so crowded. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm by myself, but it's it's sort of 
it asks something of you, <laughs> which I really kind of like about it. It asks that you are, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Fran Leibowitz, the writer. She says, pretend it's a city, she tells people. <laughs> because, you know, people think, uh, you know. So it, dep- it demands of you that you're part of something bigger than yourself. And that is something that is really important in people's lives. And I, I bet a lot more people would be better off if they felt that way, that they were part of something big. You know, we used to feel that way in America about America, but I, I think a lot of that is uh, not as, as strong as it used to be for a lot of people yeah. for one reason or another. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, when you were talking about the kids in the theater and, you know, how it's such a discipline and, you know, I mean, this is, you know, as an actor, this is your instrument. If you're going to be doing a musical, you got to keep it in peak shape mentally, spiritually, physically. You know, I mean, I think that's a really important tool that I teach my actors. You know, I teach them how to breathe. I teach them how to meditate. You know, that's it's life tools. I wish somebody would have taught me as a young actor to how to breathe, how to ground myself and how to get out of my head and, you know, all those Just beautiful. Get out of your own way. Yeah, yeah get out, out of your own way, you know. That's the thing I think you learn as you get older, as you're doing it longer and longer, is just get out of your way, your own way. You know, I'm I'm a singer, right? And uh, it's interesting that I even say it that way, because it was a time I wouldn't even have said that, because I finally, I think, gave myself permission to sing. And it took a long time. And, and acting is the same way. You know, it takes a long time to get to a point where you you give yourself permission that I'm going to open my mouth and what's going to come out. I have confidence that what's going to come out is going to be on key. All right. Good enough. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that, you know, being able to do that, uh, that takes time. That really takes time. And I think that, you know, one of the things I like about the, the, the singing, you know, I, I feel like I'm singing so much better that sort of dripped down into my, into my work into the acting work. Uh, I'm playing a part on uh, on a show called Raising Canaan. It's a power book show, one of the 50 cents shows. Really terrific show, really well done. Uh, a little bit apocalyptic, dystopian as far as I'm concerned, but but I mean, I'm playing a bad guy. I'm playing a bad guy, a lot of fun. Cool. And, uh, and I, I sometimes find myself saying to myself, just don't get in your own way. Just mm-hmm. make a choice and go for it, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm telling you, that F will be there. <laughs> That's what it's like, Bill. You know, when I got to see you uh, recently in your your show, Standards and Stories, I mean, I was blown away. You know, I mean, I remember when you just started, you know, years ago, started, you know. <laughs> I I you my, my secretary after the first show said to me, I said, what'd you think? She said, almost not embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were amazing. So, so, but, you know, I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're touring, you're going to, you know, you're performing, you're singing, you know, so you got to be in good shape to do that. So, you know, do you have a, like a, what's your morning routine? I mean, you look amazing. You're, you're losing. I'm 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 still training. I figure, you know what, here's my new plan. This is my new plan as far as acting, as far as career. I'm going to be the last one standing. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're going to have to come to me eventually because you're going to run out of old guys and I'm going to still be around. So here's, here's the thing. I just really believe in a big way in physical fitness. I think, you know, you know, when you're a fighter, you, you're always thinking the other guy's training, <laughs> you know, so you you better get in the gym, you know, otherwise you get your butt kicked at the end of the week because he'll be in better shape. And so I've just always been very disciplined about it. I think it's really important. I, and like you say, it's your instrument. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, I have, I, have, I have people I know and, uh, and you see people around, uh, especially because I've been traveling so much all over the country. I, I don't know how people live uh, in, in, in some, in, in fact, in our, uh, in one of the things I told you about the cooking class, well, the reason we do that, we're doing that in the, in the program is because I really think we need to have a wellness component. I really do. Again, back to what you don't know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we, you know, I think, unfortunately, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, should be a priority. I think, unfortunately, uh, some of that is now being celebrated that, you know, uh, <laughs> you know don't body shame me. I know, but uh, don't tell me how great I look, too, when I'm, you know, when I'm, I'm when I, you know, you. I think at 40, you can be healthy 
and uh, and 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 I guess obese, but I think it's seventy, man. It's hard, even it you know even in shape. So I don't know what it would be like if I had another thirty pounds or something on me. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, by I, the way, I understand. And by the way, I just read an article. You know what obesity isn't. It's not about willpower. It really isn't. I mean, certainly there's an element of that, but it's people. It's 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 a food industry that that loads it up with corn syrup. It's a it's a fast food industry that markets to children. It's you know it's you know and again it's it's what you don't know you don't know. You know one thing I really love about my parents is my father cooked every night. Mm-hmm. Every night you had to have a balanced meal. He'd moan and groan, and and because my mother didn't come home from work till later. So he had to do it. And wow, my, dad, my father, dad did all the cooking. My father did all the cooking. Wow. And, and I watched him. So well, that's well, why well, I love to cook so much because well, so, I, I watched my old man. I got it. I've been, I've been, you know, I'm my meatballs are, I say they're Tony Danza's mother's recipe. So I don't know. Am I, are they <laughs> your father's they Bobby Flay. My meatballs beat Bobby. I know, but, but, but are they, are your mom's or your dad's recipe? No, it's my father. My oh, father's really? Father. No, my father. I've been my lying. Mother, my mother cooked. Like mother cooked twice a year. She cooked twice a year. She cooked. She cooked the the lasagna. The lasagna <laughs> on Christmas and, and uh, Thanksgiving. That's it. Yeah. She didn't do anything else. But he made everything. He made the meal. But what he did was every night he made a balanced meal. You got a protein. You got a you got you got a meat. You got a you got a fish. You got a wow. you got a potato. You got the salad that he made every night. You got a vegetable and go get a loaf of Italian bread. And so every night we ate. And so like during the pandemic, Billy, I bet you I cooked 450 meals for myself without going. I never ordered it. I cooked. Yeah. I I love cooking. You know, I got to tell you, I I just recently ordered Don't Fill Up on the Impasto. I got your book, your cooking book, which I love. I'm I'm going there and I'm, you know, doing recipes and new recipes I haven't tried. And they're awesome. I thought they were your mom's. Now I know that you were dad. No, it's my father. Really, it's my father mostly. Yeah, my father. But a lot of the family stuff is in there. And what's great about that cookbook, not that I'm I'm pushing the cookbook, what's great, what I love about that cookbook is it's kind of a memoir cookbook. Mm. Because yeah. me and my son, when we wrote it together, which was really something. Yeah. How was Mark? He's going to be 52 this week, next week. Wow. My son. But uh, me and my son, when we wrote that, we connected stories of the relatives to the recipes. Hmm. And what what happened was he told me so many stories that I didn't know, you know, about my uncles and, and my cousin. And so it's a really interesting. I love that book for that. And there's 50 great recipes uh, aside. No, it's yeah. a great book. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying yeah. it. I, I I've I've only tried a few, a handful of recipes. I got to, you know, get back to right that. lasagna. Get crazy. You got to, you know, there's there's a big the, the secret to a great lasagna is you have to make meatballs first. You can't just use chopped meat. Uh-huh. You got to make the meatballs first and chop them up, use uh, break them up and use them as the meat. I, I also add a little sausage to it just for nice. fire. Uh, or you can use a little pork too if you want. You're making but, me hungry. Uh, but you got to make the meatballs. That's number one. But try it. I'm telling you, it's a little work, a little labor intensive. But man, you make a tray, you freeze it. I got a little, I got a piece in the freezer right now. I'm thinking nice. about <laughs> You know what I'm using? By the way, my building had an accident. We have no gas, no stove, no oven. Uh-uh. I got myself an air fryer. Ah. I'm trying to figure out. I'm going to make a meatloaf in it tonight. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And I'm trying to figure out how to make uh, Sunday sauce, meatballs, and everything else in it. So In an air fryer. <laughs> air fryer. It's really, hey, it's really cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I use it, but you're going to make a Sunday sauce and you I'm, gonna, I gotta, I, I'm thinking, I'm trying to figure it out, but ah. I think I got it figured that's that, that's awesome. I mean, you you also wrote another book. What was the other book you wrote? Uh, I wrote a, book about a, t- a year I took off. I took off a year and tried to teach high school in Philadelphia in, in a public school, and I got a job in Philadelphia. They filmed that. There was a series, right? It was uh, ended up being after I did that. Somebody pitched me on covering it, you know, making a documentary out of it, and it was a, a seven episode documentary for uh, A and E. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Called Teach. And I was at Northeast High School in uh, in uh, in Philadelphia. The uh, any Vikings in the house? Oh, uh, 
It was an incredible, I mean, ironically, I taught 10th grade English, and it's the hardest job I ever, ever attempted, but maybe the most rewarding, absolutely most thrilling. Uh, the kids were wonderful. It was, uh, I still keep in touch with them to this day. And uh, I wrote this book called, uh, I'd like to apologize to every teacher I ever had my year at Northeast High as a rookie teacher at Northeast High. And I told the publishers, you know, I says, I want to call it. I want to apologize to every teacher I've had. She says, that's way too long. You, That's not going to fit on the cover. <laughs> so, but that's what we did. And uh, and it's a, it's a retelling of the year. And I, I realized the book was on the bestseller list for five, for a few weeks, for about five nice. weeks. And, uh, and I'm proud of it. You know how many times teachers come up to me and say, I really like this book. And to hear teachers say that. Because teachers, telling you, what I learned during that year was how difficult it is to be a teacher. Mm. You're, you're, you're tasked to be a uh, not only a teacher, but a mother, a father, a best friend, a social worker, a, a therapist. I mean, it, it, it's incredible what you're up against and uh, very little resources um, and, uh, and, and sometimes very little parental uh, support. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's a tough, tough thing. I mean, just think about this. Imagine having being responsible for 150 teenagers. I mean, I think I got I got three kids. That's way too much. Imagine having 150 that you're you're responsible for, and you feel this tremendous responsibility that this is the only tenth grade you're going to get. Then they go, well, they had Tony Danza. Let's give him another one. No, that's it. So <laughs> that's we it. Have, you have to you have to really come through for them. Yeah. yeah. So me, I love, you know, I mean, this is, this is a real school behind me. It's not a green screen. <laughs> this is my school you know, I, that I opened up eight years ago, you know? So I got my teen class coming in and, you know, from four to six, they're going to be here. And I, I just love teaching. I mean, I think it's the, you know, it's the best. It's the best to be able to shape and mold and give them life tools. You know, I, it's acting class, but it's really exactly. life, life no, class. No, you get them with the acting, but you, yeah. you, know, you get them with that other it's stuff. All of, it's all about, you know, getting them just to stand in their power, be confident. You know, it's the, their job well, skills. That, you know, we try to stress to, uh, we try to stress the idea of ensemble, of being in something bigger than yourself. Yeah. Uh, whether it be a show, whether it be a combo, whatever it is, it's something bigger than you. And and so sometimes you have to uh really sublimate your your needs to the to the to the better, better uh, the greater good of the of the uh of the of this bigger thing you're part of. And we stress a lot of that. And that's I I I got a great story, Billy. A girl came from East New York and Brooklyn and she was a really uh you're 16 years old, defensive, just, you know, just not a happy kid. And But she came to the playing program. She didn't want to do anything. And we do this uh, this one exercise with these expressionless masks. We put the masks on a kid. And kids turn into Lawrence Olivier's. <laughs> and we finally got her in a mask, and she loved it. And she became a stalwart of the program. And at the end of it, we debriefed her. You know, we always do that. Would you get out of the course? What'd you think? You know, and you get the the usual, uh, well, I met kids that I would have never talked to. They're from the Bronx. I'm from Brooklyn. And I uh, I got out of my six block radius and I did things that I never thought. I saw things. I saw her play, you know. Then she says, and I realized that sometimes you can be a leader by being a follower. Mm. And in the context of the acting classes, I don't have to tell you, there's always three kids that want to do everything and they got to sit down to let the other kids get up and do something. And she got that. And that's the kind of life, critical thinking, life lessons that you get in that kind of a class. That's beautiful. I'm proud of it. Yeah. You should be. You know, I was looking at, a, I was, you know, looking at your IMDB and I, you know, I realized that, you know, we got... <laughs> You know, besides who's the boss, you know, we did Hudson Street together. But, you know, then I looked and I said, oh, yeah, that's right. We did Crash together. We did yeah. The Nail, the story of Joey Martell. How freaking weird is it? Those two movies, you know, I, we kind of, you know, I, I shot while, you know, you left Philly when I came into Philly when yeah, I was doing yeah, The Nail yeah. or whatever. So we were like, two, we we missed each other. But, the, you know, the, we... We got a, a lot of projects that we worked on together. That's so great. That's uh, so great. Well, 
You know what I used to love? I when we were doing Who's the Boss is I would love when I could bust you up, when I could get you to laugh. You know, I could see oh, you, you were good at you were good at that. I, no, I, you were funny. You know what? I would love to see that blooper reel. Remember those blooper reels from from the, at the end of the season? There were some great ones. With great gag reel. Yeah. Oh my god! You know, it was never in the gag reel. Catherine Hellman. She never made a mistake. She can come in with one line. Gag reels. I know. One line and steal the oh, show. One yeah. line. She was amazing. Miss her. How, how you know? Have you seen? Uh, have you stay in touch with uh, the the who's stay the boss in touch family? With you know, we're contemplating doing something together. Uh, uh, oh yeah, the the who's the boss reboot, right? Or it's not a reboot. Uh, it's uh, it's sort of a, a sequel. A sequel, okay. Yes, it's sort of a story of uh, a single mom trying to fulfill a dream, and a father who's trying to help her do it, and uh, the clash over the way to do it. <laughs> um, but who knows? But, uh, but I, yeah, I speak to her. She's, you know, she's a mom. She's a, you know, all that stuff. And then Judith is the, one of the busiest actresses in the business. So, mm, so yeah. she, uh, so we touch base, but, uh, you know, it's not like you see each other that much anymore. I got to see her. Uh, what was the play she did? Um, God looked away with Al Pacino in Pasadena. Oh. I came to see, the play and I was like, yeah, I I know Judas. <laughs> Went down and I got to meet Al. <laughs> that was cool. That's real yeah, cool. But, but she, you know, she was great, man. I mean, she's so talented. Hey, listen, man, I got to go. Yeah, listen, brother, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I know you're a busy man, and uh, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, Tone, for for taking this time you, and and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge on the podcast. I love you, bro. It's great to see you. And uh, yeah, keep your chin down. I hope to see you soon. Okay, buddy. All right. Take care, brother. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.